Hello? Hey, Rob. I'm in Texas. Guess where? You're probably in Austin. It's the only place I would go in Texas. That's a very good point, Rob. You know me. Guess what I'm doing down here. <laughs> well, you're probably eating tacos and drinking too much whiskey. That's the thing to do down there. No, you're really close, though. I just bought us a food truck. <laughs> a food truck? Yeah. Why would you buy us a food truck? Rob, guess what? We're going to bring the spirit of food trucks that Austin has created back to St. Louis. We're going to start a Crab Rangoon-only food truck, and we're going to call it Goonies. <laughs> oh, my God. You seriously want to buy a food truck? Yeah, they're going to be plump. They're going to be delicious. They're going to come in different flavors. It's just going to be Crab Rangoons. How does this relate at all to anything we're trying to do? How does this get in touch with our audience for Black Friday if we're selling Crab Rangoon from a truck in St. Louis? Rob, you're not, you're not using your head. Think about it. Everyone that makes a purchase on Black Friday is going to get shipped Crab Rangoon. This is a horrible idea. Have you been drinking again? Are you staying at the place that we almost got thrown out of? No, Rob. I'm not staying anywhere. I'm staying in the food truck that I just bought. You I'm already not... bought it? Yeah, Rob. How much you was it? You shouldn't have unblocked my credit card. I knew I should protect the corporate funds better than this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, that one's on you, bud. How much was the truck? Don't worry about it, Rob. I'm probably going to be back in about 16 hours, but I might sell Crab Rangoon's all the way home. Do you so even know how to make a Crab Rangoon? Of course, Rob. I was born to make Crab Rangoon's. Oh, God. This is a catastrophe. Are you ready for Black Friday? Yeah, I think so. Oh my god, you're going to have to get some boxes, because these things are hot and greasy. I'm hanging up. Before you buy chopsticks, I'm hanging up. Welcome to the RGG EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. In this episode, we're sitting down with all-around badass Susan Stripling, who specializes in wedding photography, engagement, headshots, portraits, a little bit, a little bit of everything. She's crushing it here at WPPI. A little known fact about uh, Susan: she once spent six days in a casino, <laughs> never once went outside. She she forgot what air was all about. She didn't know. She didn't even know what daylight was yeah, about anymore. She yeah. completely blacked out in Vegas and got Vegas throat. And what's really funny is that I haven't had a single drink at all. Not once? <laughs> Not once? No. Okay, I had one at dinner a couple of nights ago, but I've been waking up so early in the morning, and it's just so dry here. I've just been drinking so much water. Yeah. Teach and me, Obi Wan. It's just not enough. Uh, I need, I need a little of that in my life. Yeah, right Gary's now. having a problem. He keeps drinking and keeps get, keeps getting more dehydrated and can't figure it out. It oh. is. It's really <laughs> shocking. It's a medical mystery. It's the start of day three of our podcast. We've been here for five days. I know. And if you listen to this, you 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 do hear the vocal fry in our throats now. It's is starting. it getting progressively yeah. worse as oh. the week goes on? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, we had we had an event last night, and uh, you know, just did a lot you of, sleep? Lot of drinking. Yeah, a little nice. bit. I worked last night. Oh, what'd you do? So for the wedding school, we record a lot of on-location shooting videos, right? Like we have one video where a crew followed me to a 14-hour wedding and filmed the entire thing. So it's literally a 14-hour video. It's awesome. But we wanted to do something cool while we were in Vegas because it's Vegas. So we wanted to rent a time slot at the Neon Museum, you know, the place where all the old dead signs go to die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. But the only time slot that they could give us was 11 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. That's outdoors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it was yeah. really cold. So it was getting cold. We were so cold. But it sounded like a fine idea, 11 to 12.30. I'd stay up to 12.30. It's no big deal. On the <laughs> East Coast. Uh, 11 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. on West Coast time. 
much later. Yeah, uh, it yeah it's three hours later. Did not feel good, yeah. actually, shockingly. It's quick um, math, Rob Graham. Hey, hey, shout out to you. I'm here for quick just math. Just did quick addition. I mean, I would like to note that I didn't do the math because it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were afraid of it. I could tell. That's why I threw out that <laughs> a fact. A little bit. You saw the fear in my eyes. I'm glad this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so but let's backtrack. How did you get into the industry first? Like, what made you pick up a camera? Did you go to school for it? <laughs> I did not. I actually went to school for theater. So I have a BFA in theater. But when I look back, you know, like when you end up somewhere in your life, you kind of look all the way back and you're like, how did I get here? When I look all the way back, I always had a camera. Like I have pictures of myself from high school carrying around my dad's film camera. And neither of my parents were photographers. They just really liked taking pictures. So I went to college and really liked this guy who signed up for a darkroom photography class. And I thought, ooh, I'm going to sign up for this class too because I can hang out in a dark room. With this with cute this guy. This cute guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, who I realized later signed up so that he could hang out with another cute guy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so, it has a twist. Yeah, it didn't end the way I, <laughs> didn't really end the way I wanted the it to. That really? was not the cute guy story you wanted. No. He was probably really well-dressed. But it was the cute yeah. guy story that he wanted. Oh, yeah. so, well, good for him. Yeah. Congratulations to them. Hopefully they're happy. I don't know. But so I took a darkroom photography class, and I thought I really liked photography. I still really enjoy this as a hobby, but I don't like working in the darkroom. It just didn't speak to me. I didn't enjoy the printing process. And I thought, well, if this is what photography is, I don't want to do it. And I had also done an internship with a photographer very briefly in high school because, and again, none of these stories make me sound very good, but there was a program, (laughs) there was a program my senior year where you could do an internship and it meant that you could leave school at lunch every single day and not come back. And so I thought, ooh, I'm going to sign up for an internship so that I can leave school at lunch and not come back and not get in trouble for doing that. And so when they asked me what I wanted to do, I said I'd like to work with a dance studio or a theater company or a photographer. So they put me with a photographer in town, and this was back in 1990 years ago. Um, We're not going to date this specifically. where are we at? We're in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Lawrenceville, Georgia. Is where we're at here. And so I went and worked for the photo studio in downtown Lawrenceville for a semester of high school and it was old school photography Easter rolled around you had the little chicks in the studio at Christmas you had the pictures with Santa and I went to two weddings with the photographer there and he took two rolls of film you got to take 36 pictures times two and you were done and so he would set things up and he would take a picture and then he would go sit for 45 minutes until the next thing happened and he would set up and he would take a picture and I thought well this isn't really artistry this is just I mean it's a methodical business It's not really what I want to do. So I had sort of this misconception of what wedding photography could be and also a misconception of what I thought about photography. Mm -hmm. So fast forward out of college. I've got a BFA in theater. I move to New York. I take a look around and I say, I do not want to be here. So I lasted, my BFA lasted about six months. (laughs) Your parents were loving this. They were really thrilled. Um, (laughs) It went really well. Of waiting tables and I was a receptionist in an office and I was going to auditions and it wasn't working. That fall, I had a bunch of friends that I worked with in the office. They were really into photography and the Photo Plus Expo was over at the Javits Center in New York. They're like, we're going to walk over to this photography expo. It's going to be super awesome. I was like, oh, photography expo. That sounds fun. And I walked over there and Bambi Cantrell was signing her book, The Art of Wedding Photojournalism. And she was signing it with Skip Cohen. And I still have that book because I bought it. I was looking through it and I thought, I've never seen wedding photography look like this. This is so beautiful. It's artistic. It's journalistic. It's telling a story. 
I want to own this book. And I wasn't a photographer. So I bought the book and I still have it. And it's signed by Bambi and it's signed by Skip. And occasionally I like to bring up that they signed the book for me when I was a mere child. And guess I, I still who own it. Guess who you're probably going to run into in about 30 minutes? Bambi. Yeah. I love She's her. right after you. She is a wonderful human being. <laughs> I like to remind her. What that do we need to know about Bambi? That yeah, give us some Give of us the juice now. Like, what should we and ask it'll be, her? It'll literally be in the next episode. She's a genius. Yep. I mean, she's a legend. She... Yeah. It's really important to me. Give me the dirt me. is what I'm saying. Give me, I can't. Give me some crazy nice. story about Bambi crazy that about no Bambi. one else would know. Um, and I just, I'll just bring it up casually. I don't have anything good. Damn, I'm so, yeah. I'm, I can lie. I can make up a story. Yeah. All right. Let's go with that. <laughs> I will just talk about the time I found her burying a body in Vegas. I, I don't well, know. Everyone I got does nothing. that once. Yeah, I that's know. I was so, going to say that's everybody's Vegas that's story. so rote. But I mean, I have, she, she did, she is the reason that I'm in wedding photography because awesome. I stumbled into an expo and I bought a book and it was And you were just book. looking to get out of lunch again. Just like, it's true. You know, like high school. Trying playing to, hooky. Trying to and I, I went with a guy. Right. See how this goes? <laughs> um, but I did, again, I didn't think anything of it. New York didn't work out for me. I moved back, um, back down South. I got married, started having kids. It was just, that was kind of what I was doing, but I always took pictures of everything. And then one time my, my ex-husband's, one of his coworkers was getting married and she's like, oh, you're, you know, your wife really likes taking pictures. Would you want to take pictures at my wedding? And he's like, oh, she'd probably love that. Let me ask her. And I owned one camera with one lens and she asked me and I was like, that sounds really fun. I'll totally do that. This is film? It was film. It was film. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. It sounds really great. And then I went home and I thought, oh crap. What am I doing? Like I, I literally just volunteered to shoot someone's wedding. Yeah bad idea and she just expected me to be a friend with a camera and and that was fine and all but I really didn't want to screw it up and that's when I said let me take another look at photography and see if I can educate right. myself a little bit and that was 2001 turned into quite a career a little bit yeah and it happened pretty fast so where did you go for education when you wanted to really understand the business besides Bambi's book like what what were your sources of inspiration and knowledge and that's also a tough one because that was, you know, ye olden days when you had to go to something like WPP. My options were WPPI, yeah. PPA, yeah. state PPA, our local PPA group, and books. And back then there weren't that many books. And when there were books about wedding photography, it was very old school. It yeah. was very stand this way, you will take the one picture of the cake, that sort of thing. So I had Bambi's book on one hand and nothing else. So I joined our local photography group, which was a bunch of old white guys in their 50s sitting around and arguing about f-stops. And I was like, well, this isn't what I enjoy. <laughs> but I kept going back because I'm stubborn. And well, I, what was the argument about f-stops? I don't even know. Yeah. Is there an argument about f-stops? Probably With not. some people. It's, which is the best? What Do you have a favorite f-stop? <laughs> 12. I, no, I actually 12. don't. <laughs> Actually, I'll just make 12 up and one. A half. 47. 47 is yeah. my favorite. Yeah, race. it's nice. Wow. That's it's wow. great depth of field down there. Yeah. So I went to a state PPA convention like three months after shooting my first wedding. And I thought, oh, this convention thing is where it's at. And then I got online and started looking and I found WPPI. And I went the next year. And that just like blew my head open because I went to print competition. That was the first thing I did. And to this day, print competition is probably one of the most formative things that taught me as a photographer because it was two days of sitting in a dark room and watching judges look at prints and talk about the merits and shortcomings of each print so I could see gosh this print came around and it's like really amazing why don't they like it oh there's a horizon line going through someone's head mm -hmm. or oh this you know the head is turned this yep. way versus that way or oh the moment is not a decisive moment 
And then I started entering print comp. And then I started having them say those things about my pictures mm-hmm. and getting personally offended by it and wanting them to stop doing that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was honestly finding the big national conventions and going to those. And when you're learning anything, when you're starting from the ground up, everything that you learn is monumental. So every wedding that I shot was like 10 times better than the wedding that I shot before. And then you reach a very good base of knowledge with what you do, and then you start fine-tuning it more and more and more. So my first two or three years were just sort of stumbling around in the dark trying to figure out that I was using the right shutter speed, that I had my ISO correct. And then once the technical stuff started to make more sense, then I realized I have, I have an excellent eye. And I've always had a good eye. But now that I have the technical skills to back up having a good eye, I think I could make something amazing. And it started from, oh, this would be this kind of fun thing. I could maybe like do five or six weddings a year like you just work on like one day it would be super awesome that was back when I thought a wedding was like one day of work Um, I could I could be like super part-time I could bring in money I could still be home with my kids this would be really fun Mm -hmm. to I think I'm actually pretty good at this this would be like a legit part-time job like I really enjoy this to this is I think this is my career to I think this is my calling to now I want to dominate the world with this. So <laughs> <laughs> my my general life motto, little, I learned... It's crazy in her eyes. Did you see that right? when she said yeah. that? I, yeah. It's true. I think, my, I think both eyes started spinning backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I am second. in Vegas. Yeah. It does, you know, escalate quickly. But my general life motto um, is from a phenomenal feature film called Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yeah, that yeah. was a wonderful drama. If you ain't yeah. first, you're last. <laughs> and that is the motto I live by. <laughs> I'm not saying it's healthy, but if I want to do something, I want to be the absolute I'm best with you. at it. I'm with yeah. You. yeah, so it's kind of my motto as well. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah we just shake and bake, bump. baby. Shake and bake. It's true. We did. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, it's. I started to like it, and then I started to love it, and then I started to love it so much that I wanted to do right by it, and that's when I really buckled down and said, let's learn this thing. How do you like to picture your baby Jesus? I like to picture him as a figure skater doing interpretive dances mm-hmm. of my life. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Rob, how do you picture... Interpretive dances of your life? Yeah. Oh, that's... How, how do you... But like I mean, I do picture... like the newborn infant Jesus best. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear. Your, with his golden fleece dappers... And his baby Einstein developmental toys. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times. I'm from the South. That's what we do. <laughs> and the worst part was I showed it to my husband. He was like, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, he I was didn't like, get it the I, way we're going to have to talk about this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so at this point, you're shooting a lot of weddings. Um, how has your pricing changed from when you kind of first started <laughs> to what you do now? Significantly. Yeah. And it's changed significantly, not only because I've been in business longer, and as you have more expertise and more talent to bring to the table, you can obviously command a slightly higher price tag. But I started my business in Tallahassee, Florida, and now I live in Brooklyn, New York. So cost of living, not so similar. Yeah, not so similar. So, And also, there's a little bit more money to spend in New York. The weddings cost a little bit more, therefore you're able to command a slightly higher fee. And I've also just gotten much better at it. Also, when I got started, I didn't really... I wasn't as business-minded as I am now, and I felt weirdly bad about taking people's money. Now I have no shame. I'll take all of their money. (laughs) (laughs) But I love spreadsheets, like, a lot. Like, they're my favorite. And so I'm always – I just think they're amazing. And Use an Excel or numbers? I use actually something called Airtable. What's Airtable? Do you know the Airtable? No. no. (gasps) Airtable is kind of like an online database. So it's – 
spreadsheets that can talk to each other online. So it's like Google Sheets. Kind of, but well, I like it, it. Is it better than no, Google Sheets? No. It's just, just different. It's just different. Yeah. Does it have Prettier, really cool graphs and charts? And I think your priorities are a little skewed when it comes to spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> they might be. Can you put in pictures? Um, but I, I really I I use like Airtable to track a lot yeah. of things, like from what I'm doing for SEO to how I'm marketing to cost of all of my packages. So I'm constantly running them and saying, well, as this increases, as this changes, am I still being profitable? If I add this album in, am I being profitable? And for a long time, I was just, I was doing okay, but I wasn't making enough to really support myself because it's really important to me that whether I'm married or not, whether I have someone contributing to my household or not, I want to be able to take care of myself and my family by myself because you just never know what's going to happen. So every year I sit down and I look at what does it cost to run my business? What does it cost to run my life? If I'm going to retire, I have to think about that because a lot of photographers, you have to pay yourself. They don't think about the future. It's wedding to wedding to wedding. And when I put all of those numbers down and I break them down to how many weddings I can shoot a year, how many weddings I want to shoot a year, that has helped me establish pricing that is not only higher, thank goodness, but I know every time I book a wedding that I'm going to be fine. Right, that money will go in my pocket, that money will go towards taxes, that money will go towards the future. And a lot of photographers don't like to talk about money. Like they're a very of, weird about money. A lot of photographers money. don't even think about money. They, they don't should. think about it in that sense. So where did you learn your business jobs? I mean, were, was this something that you, just came to you naturally, yeah. or did you get a business mentor or somebody to help you? I didn't. Um, and I actually would love to find a business mentor at this point to help me beyond Dom- myself. You want to dominate the world. Yes, yeah. basically, yeah. Um But I realized really quickly that being a photographer, being a wedding photographer, is 5% photography and 95% running a business. Mm -hmm. And if I was going to be able to really enjoy the photography side of things, I needed to not worry about how my business was doing. Is it going to be profitable? Am I going to have to be shooting weddings when I'm 95 because I didn't save for the future? So I read a lot of books. I did a lot of research. And mostly I taught myself the business side of things. I wish I could go back to school and have taken some more business classes. And my parents actually, though, to speak back to my theater degree, are finally happy. They feel like they did not waste money on four years of education. (laughs) I use my theater degree every single day. We took tech theater classes. I learned how to place lights. It's exactly the same as lighting a wedding. And I can talk to anybody. I'm not afraid of public speaking. I love public speaking. When a mom at a wedding is angry, I can talk to her pulling off of improv classes like it actually was the best education plus you understand a story it's true you know i mean any theater production a is, a play. is a story and so, yeah exactly a wedding is a three-act play getting ready ceremony reception and it it just speaks to every melodramatic theatrical aspect of my entire life um and it really does pull together everything that i love and then the unexpected beauty of loving the business and finance side of it which i did kind of didn't see coming and now i love it I don't want to say more than shooting, but equally to shooting. I think it's fascinating. That's good. Yeah, so, I don't sleep much. <laughs> <laughs> so when someone finds your website and is curious about pricing, yes. um, what happens when they send an inquiry? Is there a pricing on your website, or is that a conversation that happens? Do you send them to mm-hmm. a, a form to fill out? How does that work? That is the eternal debate. And I fight about this with, um, there's a gentleman named Rob Greer. He's a photographer in L.A. He's an incredible photographer, but he also came up with Good Gallery, which is the platform that my website is built on. And we go 100 Good rounds. GoodGallery.com? Yes. Good Gallery. I've never heard you of should it. check it up. Check is it out. It's cool? amazing. Yeah. Is it for wedding photographers or just I mean, it's, in general? It's mostly for photographers. And in a nutshell, it's to make SEO easier. 
because a lot of photographers are like, what is SEO? How do I get Google to find me? Like, how do yeah. I get clients to find me on the internet? And then the misconception that, oh, nobody who's going to spend money will find me on Google. Well, that's actually not true. They will. They just yeah. have to find you. So Good Gallery actually makes it super easy for you to dial in your SEO without having to learn to code. Because I know a lot of things, but I don't want to learn to code. Yeah. Like, that is not interesting to me. Yeah. So it, he makes it really easy. He teaches workshops on it, so on and so forth. Where were we going with this? Website. So... Rob and I fight all the time because he's like, to have a really super successful website, you really need to have your pricing easily accessible on your website. Yeah. And my logic is, I haven't for 18 years and it hasn't hurt me. The reason why I don't put my pricing on my website is because I shoot a lot of different types of weddings. I have elopements. I have local weddings. I have weddings that require an overnight stay in a hotel and a drive. So I have to have a little bit of travel fee for that. I have destination weddings. Then I have Indian weddings, which are multi-day Yeah, those events. are a workout. They are a workout. I've been to one of those. It's That's I a mean, long time. It's exhausting to be a guest. Yeah. Imagine shooting it. Oh, yeah. I mean, What's it talking, like shooting in a new wedding, for those who don't know? It's a marathon. How um, many days do they last? Anywhere from one to five. I've got yeah. one coming up in Atlanta that's They're kind of like our days. parties. You know, how yeah. long are they? Anywhere, is, yeah. anywhere from don't one know. to five days. Don't know when it will start. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're amazing, and they're vibrant, and just passionate and wonderful, but they're very long days. Yeah. And so I couldn't, if I put all of my price lists online, it would be really confusing. I don't have a one size fits all price list. So for example, my Indian wedding pricing, my packages involve multi days of shooting, mm -hmm. but that's not what a Jewish wedding would be. So I found that putting pricing online confused people, putting a start price online confused people because my start prices are different based on do I have to travel or is it an elopement? Am I only with you for two hours? Is it a Saturday? So when someone finds my website and they want to find out about pricing, I actually do have a huge page on my site that says pricing and it talks about what collections look like. It talks about the albums and then it talks about, it literally says, why do you not have a price list online? And then I explain it and my contact form is right there. We always respond to inquiries about price within minutes if not hours definitely on the day that they email because people are terrible at email and I don't yeah. want to be that person so we respond right away I immediately send them a link to my price list because I don't think they should have to get on the phone to find it out I don't think that they should have to come meet me in person I just need enough information to know what type of wedding they're having so I can send them the right thing and then I have a bunch of saved email responses based on type of wedding I have them saved based on venue so my favorite venue in New York, the Bowery Hotel, if someone inquires and they're getting married there, I have a special inquiry response that speaks specifically to the Bowery Hotel. It points them towards links of things that I've shot there so that they can see a little bit more about their specific venue. What's so good about it? I'm, I know nothing about the oh, Bowery. Oh, you should go. It's beautiful. It's a very intimate boutique hotel. It's very dark. Mm. It's got really cool kind of dark old world architecture and weird light. And what I really love about it is most photographers really hate working there <laughs> because it's very dark. The ceilings are very low. It's a tricky space to light, mm -hmm. but it, it speaks to all of my strengths as a photographer. And I know that I shoot there really well. So I, and they have awesome brunches. Oh, so, oh brunch. I'm a big fan Ooh. of brunch. Yeah. They have a really good brunch. You ever done double brunch? Define double brunch. Double I brunch. mean, the other night I had triple dessert, but I don't know if that's anything like so double brunch. Double brunch. <laughs> you have your brunch team, whether it's two or four sure, people, sure. whatever it is. And you go to the first brunch place. Yeah. You sit down and all four people order like two things. Okay. And then you kind of split it. Maybe like one other. It's like, like appetizer. Like family you know? style yeah, kind yeah. of? Just, but just not, not 
not four meals for four people, right? Okay. And you get up and you go to your second favorite brunch location Ooh. and you do the same thing. Same amount of food, two locations, double brunch. Double brunch. Well, the, the other fun. night I had triple dessert, which just meant that I ordered three desserts and I ate them all. Wow. Yeah. Is, that, is that not normal? No, it seems fair. I, I kind of do that. <laughs> for I kind of ba- do that pretty regularly. For Vegas, it seems conservative. <laughs> it's a Tuesday. Yeah, it's a yeah. Tuesday night at my house. <laughs> double brunch bad? sounds good, though. It's very fun. Well, last night we were going to do double dinner, where we were going to do appetizers at one place and yeah, then dinner at the other. But then we just ate everything at the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and we never moved on. It was great. Well, we'd walked all the way to the Cosmopolitan, and it was awesome, and there yeah. was paella, so there was no need to move. Paella. Paella is good. It was really good. Yeah. And then we had the cereal milk ice cream that we talked that about. That sounds before. delicious. Where was that place? Momofuku. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is a family show. You can't say that on here. <laughs> well, you didn't say I couldn't. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, it's it is cereal milk ice cream. It tastes like the milk that's left in the bottom of the bowl after you eat sugar cereal. It probably rich. is. Except ice cream. Kid. There's like a bunch of people in the back just eating They're ice cream. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just collect you, the milk from their kids and they, they bring it, it in just, <laughs> just by soaking cereal and milk you got an army of kids in back just eating the cereal <laughs> they, get, they get it from schools yeah <laughs> and this is a story of how I threw up first thing in the morning in Vegas that's disgusting then we also found secret pizza because apparently on one of the floors of the Cosmopolitan, there's just a hallway that looks like it leads to nothing. But at the end of it is an, an old New York style pizza place. Really? With like huge greasy slices of pizza. But there's no signs pointing the way. So my friend Emily called it Secret Pizza. So last night That's when cool. I got done shooting and I came back at 1.30 in the morning, she decided to go out for Secret Pizza. And I went to sleep. Secret Pizza. Secret Pizza. Secret Pizza sounds good. Doesn't it though? Yeah. Just by the virtue of its name. Yeah. No yeah. signs. It's That's secret weird. and it's pizza. So yeah. it's going to be good. You can't go wrong with that. It's true. Followed up with some, you know, uh, cereal milk ice cream and you're in good shape. Yeah, it's very much true. Uh, yeah. All right. Earlier, from local school, man. earlier you said <laughs> we. So it sounds like you have a team of people maybe working for you or with you. <laughs> I was but, like, what do, what do you mean? <laughs> walk I me, do. Walk me through your team. Who do you rely on? Uh, so I have an office manager and her name is Sandra. And she doesn't work in my studio. She actually works from home. So my studio is based in Brooklyn. And Sandra's from Levittown, Pennsylvania. And we started working together. Um, I shoot. I used to shoot a lot of weddings in the Philly area. Now I only shoot a couple. My business has sort of migrated itself mostly to New York. But Sandra was my assistant when I shot in Philly. And then she's such a great assistant. She was helping me everywhere. We would travel together for weddings. Now our kids are getting a little bit older. She wants to be around a little bit more on the weekends. And I needed an office manager. Like I really needed somebody that I could forward emails to that would help me put certificates of insurance together, help me with album designs. There reached as a point where that whole phrase about working in your business versus working on your business, Mm -hmm. I was spending too much time doing day-to-day tasks. So I needed someone full-time to do that. So Sandra is my office manager. She works remotely, but thanks to the internet and Dropbox, we have no problems passing things back and forth. She's awesome. Um, She still assists me for weddings sometimes. She's my second shooter when I need one. We have added on a woman named Shayla to our team in the past year. She assists me at weddings. She's also local to New York. She's a cinematographer. She's amazing. So she pulls kind of double and triple duty on a lot of things. She does filming for us for the wedding school. She assists me at shoots sometimes. She's actually here in Vegas with me right now. She helped produce the shoot, and she filmed it last night. So we've got Sandra. We've got Shayla. Um, My raw processing of all of my wedding files, I work with a company called Lavalu. And they're amazing. So they're not technically employees, but they're a... They handle a big part of the business. They're a crucial yeah. part of my business. And actually, before 
I came here, I was having breakfast with them. They're very nice. Cool. Um, so thank you for breakfast, Lavaloo. But they do all of my raw production, and I could not do what I do without them. But other than that, we're a pretty small team. Let's talk about the wedding school. Oh, my gosh. I'd love to talk about yeah. the wedding school. You hooked up with our friends George and Craig. I did. Yeah. Oh, you know George and Craig. Very well. They're very entertaining gentlemen. They're fun. <laughs> They're fun. They yeah. are fun. Um, it's a really interesting motley crew of people because everyone brings their huge strengths to the table yeah. and the strengths that I have are not the strengths Craig has and vice versa. Right. So we all fill in kind of the gaps that everybody else is missing. So how to come about? So I met Craig back when I did creative live classes. This is still with creative live at the time. I've known George for as long as I've been in the business. I met George through WPPI mm -hmm. first and then creative live. So I've known him for 15 years. If George has a spirit animal, what do you think it would be? It'd be a baby Jesus. No, well, don't, oh, don't be definitely ridiculous. not. <laughs> a spirit animal. If George had a spirit animal. That's an excellent question. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, who would be his spirit animal? Well, see, that's not really the question, though. The question is, if he were in Harry Potter, what house would he be sorted into? That's the Hufflepuff. question. Hufflepuff. George he's is a, not a Hufflepuff. He's totally Hufflepuff. He's totally a Ravenclaw. Oh, you think? Yeah. Definitely a Ravenclaw. We'll have to loop around on All this. Right, Craig yeah. is a Hufflepuff. Craig is a Hufflepuff. Might be a Slytherin. No. Yeah. Nah. He's, he's too not sweet. not mischievous enough. Mm -mm. He's a Ravenclaw. He's a Craig Ravenclaw. is a, yeah. Craig's a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Touche. All right. Uh, yeah, and I was reading something the other day. I was talking to the Emily, the one that I was saying to, taught me about secret pizza. I was talking about that apparently the sorting hat quiz on the Pottermore website is actually so good that experts say that it's almost as good as that Myers-Briggs personality test. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So what are you guys? Have you been sorted? Yeah. Slytherin. What are you? Well, I, no, I haven't done it, but people tell me that I'm Slytherin. Mm. I've, never, I've never done it. You I'm should not, do it. Yeah. yeah. What are you? I've done it three times. Twice I was Slytherin, once I was uh, Gryffindor. Oh, that's conflicting. Yeah. Very morally conflicting. Because yeah. I'm super mischievous. Mm -hmm. But oh, yeah. we'll always be the first to run into a burning house. Funny story about <laughs> that one. So my friend Jackie, who's a wedding photographer um, up in Buffalo, she every time she takes it, she gets sorted into Hufflepuff. And she doesn't want to be a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Nobody but does. Literally, if you created an ideal Hufflepuff, it's my friend Jackie. So she created an email address called I am not a Hufflepuff at gmail.com <laughs> so that she could take the test one more time and she's still a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Slytherin rough. through and through. Yeah. Yeah. And then my children took the test and my youngest daughter was a Slytherin and my oldest is a Gryffindor and she got really upset. Yeah. She's like, I want to be a Slytherin. I'm like, you're just not. <laughs> you, you wouldn't understand. You're not one. Sorry. Um, I, so yeah, I met the guys back through WPPI, through Creative Live. Time goes by, and, you know, Craig and I got to know each other a little bit, and we had some epic phone call one day that was, like, four hours long that was one of those, hey, what if we... And there was a whiteboard involved, wasn't there? How did you know that? Because we know that. Because Craig and I both share a, a passion for whiteboarding. There was a whiteboard, and then there was an app to record the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there like, were the actually multiple whiteboards yeah. and sticky notes. yeah. It was intense. Those are good. I, I love a good <laughs> sticky note whiteboard brainstorming session. Those, are, was, those are fun. There was pacing around. There was waving yeah. of arms. Yeah, charts. It was great. Animated. And Venn diagrams. It was pretty good. I bell, mean, calm bell down. Curves. Venn oh, bell curves. Bell curves. I love a good bell curve. When a bell curve Next comes into, uh, yeah. I don't think we got quite that like in depth, but we it. were on our way. You just try it. Can an air table do all that? I don't, I don't 
think you I can. should give that a shot. I don't think Airtable's got that capability. That's true. But I mean, we got started and like, if if wedding photography could, if the education for wedding photography could be this, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. And then it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And we thought, well, we'll put together a series of fundamentals, like the fundamentals that every wedding photographer needs to know from business to finance, to marketing, to post-production, to everything. Let's put that together and we'll call it the fundamentals. And then we'll put together a small learning library of just specialty classes and we'll see if anybody's interested. And it was overwhelming. Like overwhelming how many people were interested. And then from there on out, fundamentals stay fundamentals, right? That's our core basis of education. And then because I'm a ridiculous overachiever, I know that not everyone likes to learn by video. Some people like to read. So I actually ended up writing over 450 pages of textbooks and workbooks based on those fundamentals. So you can download them, you can print them out, you can highlight them. That's intense. Whatever thrills you. I need to eventually read the very melodramatic audiobook version of them. But <laughs> did you record the audiobook? Not yet, but you I need should. to. Yeah. I really do need to. I think that would be very How fun. long did it take you to write all that? It's like seven hours. <sighs> to She's write, an overachiever. To know. write all of it? About six weeks. That's not that bad. Yeah. How much coffee? All of it. All of it. Every last bit. That's how I drink it. I mean, whatever an unhealthy amount is, and then probably three miles past that. I think you might be my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, you guys <laughs> are kindred spirits <laughs> for sure. I don't really have hobbies, so... Me yeah. neither. Um, so we did that, and then from there on out, we've been building out this learning library, which is specialty videos. And we have guest speakers come in and talk about things that they're really good at that I don't do. So, for example... Our members have been asking, you know, teach us about marketing at wedding fairs. I'm like, oh, I don't really do wedding fairs. They're like, but we really want to learn about wedding fairs. And I said, I'll go find you somebody. So we found a couple, um, Steve and Jane Pilkerton out of the kind of Maryland area. And they do a lot of wedding fairs. And they are really good at tracking their results and building a booth and so on and so forth. So I had them come in and teach wedding fairs. I cannot possibly know everything. And there are things that I don't do and things that I do do. And when I don't do it or I don't know it, we have someone come in and teach it instead. So we're constantly building. The thing that always bothered me with every other class that I did before is I would build it, I would record it, and then it would be done, right? It would just, the class is over. It's done. But with the wedding school, I can constantly update it. As things change, as companies come out with new gear, as marketing tactics change, as people request more things, I can keep building classes and helping people because I had nothing like this right. when I got started and was stumbling around in the dark for a long time. And, and the if, amount of resources now, right? yeah. it's just incredible. Well, Deep and incredible. now that's also becoming a problem because there's so many resources you don't know what to terrible. look at. And there are so many photographers who, who are in business for like five minutes and then they think, ooh, the real money is selling things to photographers. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, calm down there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But if you're not actually out there and you're not actually in the business and you're not still shooting and you're not dealing with real clients, how in the world are you relevant as a teacher? Like there's, how can you teach me marketing when you haven't marketed to anyone for four years? Mm -hmm. Right? So it's really difficult to take all of the education out there now and parse it down to, okay, who knows what they're talking about? And who's just throwing something up there because everyone's throwing something up there. And anybody can record a course and put a course online. I want to build something that is bigger and more long-lasting and more genuinely helpful. Mm -hmm. So I hope people find it, and I hope they sign up for it, and I hope they like it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I... I, Do you think photographers should assist 
before getting so behind a, the camera? It's actually a really interesting one. Um, and that's a, an advice a lot of people give is, oh, go assist. Oh, go second shoot. You'll learn so much. I will never hire anyone to assist me or second shoot for me that wants to become a photographer because it is, gosh, this sounds so mean. It's not my job to train you while I'm at work. Yeah. I want, the reason why Shayla is my assistant is because she's a cinematographer. She doesn't want to be a photographer. So when she's there, she's there to work for me and do her job. When Sandra second shoots, it's not because she wants to open her own business in a couple of years. It's because second shooting is her job and she's there to do that. Mentoring, absolutely. Observing, totally. But if I'm going to hire someone to assist or second shoot, it's because they want to do that job, not because they want to kind of come do that job so that they can mostly just watch me and learn. Yeah. So part of why I created The Wedding School, why we filmed an entire 14-hour wedding day from beginning to end is, listen, it's going to be hard to get a photographer to let you do that. If you're honest that I just want to follow you around because I want to do what you do, it's going to be hard to get that job. So let's put some resources out there that will try to give you that experience and you can watch it at home with no pants on. It's great. <laughs> she is your what? spirit yeah. animal. Yeah. I mean, this Des- is crazy. Describe a great assistant and a terrible assistant. <laughs> <laughs> a, honestly, a great assistant is one that is selflessly there to assist the photographer. It's not about you. It's keeping the eyes on the person that you're working for. Do they need something? Do they need water? Do they need their bag moved? Do you need a light setting changed? You are literally support staff. That's what you're there for. And this is not to talk down to assistants. Like assisting is incredibly hard. I would not want to do it. It's a very hard, very selfless job. A terrible assistant thinks it's all about them. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. (laughs) When are we going to eat? Like this is so boring. Don't complain. Don't text. That's honestly, that is the biggest problem that I've had. I don't care if you text. Totally text. Go to the bathroom and text. If it's the reception and I'm down to three hours of shooting people dancing and you don't have much to do, you're just there to make sure no one steals my gear and just in case I need something, totally go sit behind the band, sit in the green room, text all you want. Don't text in front of clients. It it drives me insane. Mm -hmm. And it's it always drives me insane even like if she has to text me. If she's gone to another room and she has to text me and she's like, the groom's ready for the first look, I still don't even like the optics of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Because clients don't know. I just feel like if you pick up your phone and you look at it, it looks like you're on Facebook, even if you're not. So not texting, being distracted, complaining, asking a ton of questions. I Training an assistant is, is difficult because you want to make sure that they know everything that they need to know before they get on the job. Because once you get on the job, you have to actually – go so when I'm bringing somebody on new to assist me they come to a couple of weddings as sort of a shadow for a while so when Shayla was coming on Sandra was still assisting me and she was showing Shayla what to do as we went throughout the day so by the time she came to the first wedding she's ready to go which is pretty great but honestly all you have to do to be a great assistant is keep your eyes on the photographer you're assisting and be selflessly there to help and if you're not sure is there anything I can do to help you the end I mean we have a we have an incredibly 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 good time Shayla is my very dear friend but when we walk into a wedding she's there to help me mm-hmm. yeah true. I couldn't have said it any better no Thanks. you couldn't have yeah not, not even <laughs> no nah, not even close not even close you guys are so supportive of each other and just so <laughs> like it's just radiating out yeah. of you that's just the alcohol bleeding off <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
The fact that you haven't slept or gone outside in six uh, days. days. I can yeah. see the outside through your window. It yeah, looks it's not bad, right? Yeah. It looks like the air might move around out there There's a little. There's sun out there today. Which is it's really pretty. So what do you like about horror movies? Why are you such a <gasps> horror movie fan? Okay, so I love everything about them. But I have to clarify specific, specific types of horror movies. Yeah. I don't like Saw. I don't like the slasher splatter. Like, the gore. The torture porn type. That's the, right. what they call it is just how much blood can we throw out there? How many body parts can we cut off? Right. Because I think that's cheap. It is. And I think anybody can do that. Um I mean, I don't do that, but anybody could do that. That's just, again, it's weird. It's Vegas. I don't know. Um, I really like, uh, it's just going to sound so weird. I like the Ghosts and Demons horror movies, like Insidious and The Conjuring. But I really like the foreign originals of most of these. So like The Ring, which was so popular. And then they made sequels, which we're not going to talk about. But there was an original version of that. Was it Korean? I can't remember if it was Korean. But there was an original, and the originals are terrifying. And the foreign horror films are horrifying because a lot of times they have no music. So American horror films, when something bad is about to happen, you get the dun-dun-dun. It doesn't happen. Most of the time, things happen at night in American horror films. All bets are off when it's a foreign horror film. A ghost will pop up in the middle of the day. There's no warning music. And usually at the end, the hero dies, and you don't know why. Right, because Wait, you don't know why they don't give you a reason. Oh why God, just... one of my favorites is just like someone's being haunted by this thing, and eventually at the end it gets them the end, and you're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Where did it come from, and why did it do this, and why am I so scared?" <laughs> um, but I really do love horror movies because I think frightening people is difficult. Like to really worm into you and bother you as a horror movie, it has to tap into something that you are viscerally very afraid of in your own life, and I think that's fascinating and to be able to do that in a movie and have it really get to me because not a lot gets to me like that to not be able to sleep after watching a piece of film Mm -hmm. it's achieved something that's very intelligent yeah and i'm really drawn to that we we normally have uh, like an intern or someone's living at our studio and for a while, we sure had. Are it's a uh, real person? Tomas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had. We, we had. Bring them in. Tomas. Tomas. He was a small boy from the 1800s. He, he, was, he was from Brazil. Brazil. He was Brazilian, and he was living there. And the studio makes a lot of noises at night. And he would, he would say, he would say, like, man, like, what is going on here? It's just, it's a big studio, and there's just really weird noises. So it got to the point where I decided to film on my phone, me just going, Tomas. Oh my gosh, you were. And evil. then, and then I added that to our Sonos. Library. Something is and then wrong. And I set that as so much. I set that as an alarm at, for three a.m. <laughs> three a.m. It's the, the time. <laughs> so three a.m. Oh my god. The surrounds. I would just go. <laughs> I can't tell if you're terrible or if you're my new favorite person in the entire world. <laughs> no, but I'm uh, I'm fascinated by that stuff, and I don't necessarily believe in it. I'm just fascinated by yeah. it. It's it's historically interesting to me. It's I like horror podcasts. I like horror movies. But not because I like to be scared. Because I'm fascinated by the psychology of what frightens people. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Something's really wrong with me. Like Another, when I say that out loud, I'm like, that doesn't actually make me sound good. <laughs> Maybe one of the... You keep doing this I know, to yourself. This is you not, keep telling us all these secrets about you that make you sound this is, good. Either funny. people are really going to like me when this is over. They're, they're going to be like, like something's wrong with her. No, they're going to like you. My, my proudest moment of me being a child, I was an altar boy. I uh, the Catholic Church. Big I one. I cannot see this. So I'm an altar boy. I'm wondering where this is going. And at the very end. The church is no longer 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 
I only did it for like two years. I did gel well with religion. Um, oh, I grew up Catholic, where that. we have a lot to talk about, I'm yeah. sure. And uh, so I would get all my like chores done immediately. And there was a super long, creepy hall Mm-mm. at the end of at where, you, where, you, where, you, where you put your robe. No. Yeah. So the last no. thing you do is you go back and you hang up your robe. And that's, that's where like all of them are. So there's a ton and for every, every role, right? Mm. So I'd put mine back. And then uh, I would hide in the back of the closet. Oh my god! And then I would put all the hangers that were empty in the very back, so you had to get to the back. So the other altar boys. And he wonders why working. he wasn't an altar boy anymore after a while. <laughs> they would come back and then reach up and grab the hanger, and I would grab their arm like from under the coats and go. <laughs> and he was shocked when they didn't invite him back. Isn't that weird? And yet, it I was like family that. got kicked That's out true. of the church completely. It was the best. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want to be there, and I was forced to do it. I didn't want to be an altar. Just, I don't think most uh, kids want to be. Yeah, why would you want to? I don't know. Almost every kid is forced to do that. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. It's not a volunteer position. That's a no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Interesting. So what are you, what are you currently working on? What do you struggle with? Uh, um, Here come the heavy, the heavy sh- hitter questions. Uh, what do I struggle with? Um, throwing you softballs. Business is tough. I mean, it's really hard right now. People don't... Um, they're not spending money the way they used to on luxury things. And a wedding is a fairly <laughs> luxury event. Uh, so many people are willing to do weddings for dirt cheap. Yeah. And everyone's got a camera in their phone and the cameras get better and better every single time they make us buy a new phone. Um, so it's really hard, harder than ever to distinguish yourself from, Hey, my buddy just got a really good camera. And I don't think this guy is falling because every two or three years, somebody is like, oh, digital cameras, they're going to ruin the industry. Oh, cell phones, they're going to ruin the industry. Nothing's ever going to ruin the industry. Like, there are still guys who do oil paintings of children standing by pianos. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but there's less of them. On velvet. Yeah, well, yeah. But like that old school, you used to go into like a really nice house and they would have like the painting of the family. There's yeah. still some dude that does that. Right. And he's probably actually killing the game because there's not that many of them anymore. Yeah. And I really, what I'm seeing a lot of is cheap photographers are doing great and high-end photographers are doing great. And the middle market is starting to kind of fall apart a little bit because there's just so many. Yeah. And so it's harder and harder and harder just than ever. It's kind of your fault. It Well, you know. You think about it. You're doing it. You're creating a bunch of great photographers to compete with. Do you, do you view it that way? Well, I didn't before. <laughs> okay, I gotta go now. I think you. Um, <laughs> this has been great. <laughs> Let me get you out of this one. You view it as you're creating great photographers. It's the middle market that's yeah. suffering, and it's those people that. that uh, well, it's it. Know. It's the mid-range photographers who aren't great in business who pop up and pop out and pop up and pop out of the right. industry. They kind of come and go and come and go, and. It's harder to build sort of a luxury long-term brand that sticks around when there's so much noise. Mm -hmm. So just constantly rising above the noise is harder than ever. There's a million different social channels for people to find photographers. There's new people coming into the market all the time. And so I have to continually be churning out good work and being updating all of my social media and online and staying very vibrant and part of the industry as a wedding photographer. But then as an educator, my job is to make sure people don't get stuck. And to help them build businesses that are meant to be long-term and long-lasting, not just something that's going to pop up for 18 months and then go away again. 
How much of your work? So what you, you're talking about your career. You know, five percent of your work is actually shooting, and ninety five is yeah. is the business side. So when you're shooting, mm-hmm. what percentage is planned versus what you, something that just happens? How much are the happen moments? How much of your time are you looking for? Just kind of that that minister decisive moment that you're like, oh, I grab that versus I, I mean, my hands on versus hands off time yeah. on the wedding day. I don't go in with any sort of preconceived notion of what I'm going to do. Other than At all. A, no. Other than a list of family pictures that we have to get during yeah. family picture time, there is no shot list. There's no, I have this vision in my head to make this thing and I'm going to right. make that thing. Because I really believe that it's, it's a wedding. It's not a commercial shoot. I'm not art directing it. It's real people living their real life. So even when I'm working on portraits of the couple together, it's important that I'm showing who they are together. And if I go in thinking, I'm going to make this epic posed image in this epic place, and then I show up and they're shy and they're kind of sweet together, but they're definitely not epic sweeping together. Well, then I'm going to be uh, confused. I went in with an idea and I'm not going to make that idea and I, now I need to make another idea. I just prefer to be led by the people, by the moments. For the most part, I am very hands-off throughout the day. But I would never say that I'm completely a wedding photojournalist because I'm not going to let things happen in bad light. So if a bride's getting ready and she tries to get ready like over in the corner by the bathroom, I'm going to make sure that she comes over in good light. But when she does, I'm not going to manipulate the moments. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let her be herself. So I'm definitely don't go in with any kind of shot list or preconceived notions of what I'm going to create. I think a lot of photographers do. They do. I think that they, and like you said, they're, they're not being led by the wedding. They're trying to lead the wedding. Effectively changing the wedding. It's kind of two things. One, that could be their style. And that could be why their clients are drawn to them is, oh, thank goodness this person is going to lead us and they're going to execute this vision and this vision is exactly what I want. That's awesome. It could also be that maybe they're a little, maybe a little newer or a little shyer and they don't trust themselves completely. Mm -hmm. So they think, oh my gosh, I've got to go in. I'm going to like bring this list of poses that I want to do and I'm going to go execute those poses. That's also fine because if that's what you have to do for a while so that you start learning to trust yourself, go to town. I just don't. I find that the more I preconceive something, the more I'll be really disappointed if it doesn't happen. And that will interrupt my thought process. I, after doing this for 18 years, I'm really good at thinking on my feet at weddings. And so I just prefer to be led by the people and the way they are together and the way the day unfolds and so on and so forth instead of going in with ideas. What is the most awesomely embarrassing hysterical thing you've seen happen in a wedding? In oh, it happened to me. Oh, what happened? Great. I should have just lied and made up a story about somebody else. <laughs> More bad things about you. It's great. So, um, circa about 2010, my daughter at the time, oldest daughter was nine, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. She had programmed um, <laughs> the, uh, the Despicable Me movies. Yeah. When she would call me, her ringtone was that little girl at the fair saying, he's so fluffy, I'm going to die. Right? <laughs> So when she would call me, it would just scream that over and over and over again. But you're at a wedding. You silence everything. Mm -hmm. Except I had my phone in my pocket, and it must have bumped the volume button back on. We're at the ceremony, and we're outside in, like, this exquisite garden, right? And the bride and groom are saying their vows to each other. And so the bride and groom are sort of at the front, and the guests are sitting out there. And it was a big outdoor space, so I could kind of circle around it. I'd sort of circled around to like an angle behind the bride and groom. I was still definitely far back, very unobtrusive, using a long lens. All of a sudden, my pocket starts screaming, he's so fluffy, I'm going to (laughs) die. And I freeze. Like my whole body freezes. Instead of just reaching in my pocket and flipping the volume off immediately, 
I just think I have to hide the evidence that this is happening to me. So I pull it out of my pocket and I just throw it in the bushes. (laughs) And it's still going off. And everyone's looking at me because I'm standing in front of them. Like if I'd been at the back of the ceremony, I could have just turned it off and like, it could have been somebody in the last rows or I don't know. But instead I just think, get it off me and no one will know it's mine. So I pull it from my pocket and I fling it in the bushes and it keeps screaming. And I'm just standing there and the bride and groom are just like, they think it's hilarious. So they're trying not to crack up and the guests see it and they're trying not to crack up. Like no one was mad at me. Like they saw this all go down and my assistant just looks at me and I was like making this, like my whole face was frozen. She just walks around me and kind of goes to the bushes and takes my phone out and looks at me and I'm like, I froze. I don't know what to do. So just lesson learned. If your phone goes off at a wedding and everyone's looking at you, don't try to bury the evidence because they're gonna see but I and maybe pick a better song a better ring but i don't know what possessed so me to <laughs> to just throw it away like if i just got it out of my pocket <laughs> no one would know <laughs> or if i just threw it on the ground it would shatter and it would stop but it just kept yelling and because i didn't answer the phone she called me back yeah, yeah naturally and then it's lost in the bushes it's a great day yeah it's a great day. <laughs> good story thanks clients for were still happy like they were they were like what was that and I was like I'm I'm so sorry and it could have gone either way and they were like who was calling you I was like it was my daughter I'm so sorry and they were like crying laughing so thank goodness it could have happened with I can think of many other clients if it, it happened they would have just murdered me on the spot yeah, but it was yeah I the time I tried to throw my phone away at a wedding <laughs> I mean second only to the time that the lens hood fell off my 70 to 200 in a Catholic church when they had just impressed upon me over and over and over again, be quiet, be, don't be seen, I don't want anyone to hear you, the lens hood falls off my camera, hits the marble floor, and proceeds to roll under about 20 pews. And all heads just like slowly turn over to me, and I yeah. was like, hey, yeah. Yeah. I'll be here all day. Nice <laughs> to meet you all. I just, and I left it. Like, I didn't even go looking for it. I found it at the end of the ceremony. I was like, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Sorry. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you can't laugh at yourself, <laughs> it's going to be a long business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Susan, thank you so much for hey, stopping by. You're this welcome. This was a great conversation. This was bizarre. I yeah, really enjoyed good. it. Yeah. We covered everything from the newborn infant Jesus to... Yeah. And you two are like best friends and spirit animals. Oh, we are now. It's just, this is impressive. It's it was nice to witness. because we're Slytherins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. Rob has no idea what we're talking about. I do. I know Slytherin. It's because he's a muggle. Sean's, Sean's impressed yeah. it on me enough. I it's because he's a muggle. He's definitely. What's a muggle, that might Rob? Be it. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. If you have to ask. Uh, you, I got two of you? <laughs> Jesus. You're not coming back, Susan. I know. Like, and this will be the only time I will ever be on your podcast. It's not Jesus, it's baby Jesus. I'm sorry, it big, is the newborn infant Jesus. He's got big angel wings. Of course he and does. I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. <laughs> you have to tell me you've watched the outtakes during the credits oh, where they yeah. just keep going yeah. and he's just making them yeah. up. If you don't chew big red... Fuck you. you. <laughs> oh my god, the commercial. That's true. I'm here yeah. to talk to you today about packs of wild dogs yeah. <laughs> just roaming the streets. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then we have to close with the best one, which is I like to picture my Jesus in a tuxedo t shirt. Yeah. Because it says, I'm formal, but I'm here to party. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like Vegas in a nutshell right yeah. there. Yeah. It absolutely is. Uh, we all need to get outside and get some fresh air. I still yeah. don't believe outside is real. Might not be here in Vegas. We'll it's see. A mirage. <laughs> 
To download this episode and all of Season 6 at WPPI, go to rggedupodcast.com. And also subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and also MySpace, was it? Don't forget our MySpace page. Yeah. It's <laughs> blowing up. We're, we're doing MySpace. Do you have your top six favorite friends picked? <laughs> Not yet. Are you on MySpace? You need to be. You need to I, I Rob, was. Rob a long can't time remember. Ago. Rob can't figure out how to create a profile for us, so we're working on that. You'll get there. It'll be cool. MySpace is where all the cool kids were 30 years ago. Right. Yeah. 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 It's retro. <laughs> it's, retro. <laughs> it's coming back any day yeah. now, you guys. Just watch. <laughs> yep. And I think the best thing, that the best takeaway from this is if you're not first, you're last. Amen. Well, that's a little shroop for this one. See you next time. In the meantime, check out rggedu.com for the best in photography education. Thanks for listening. Now get out of here and start shooting. For those of you who might not know what we're doing on Black Friday, should we tell them? No, Let's tease him. Let's give him a little idea. Let's give him a, a glimmer of hope. Okay, so at RGG EDU, we focus on revealing the secrets from working pro photographers and retouching in the industry to give you a leg up on the competition. And why is that? Is it because we believe that the best education comes from those who are working pros? Absolutely, Rob. And we believe that you shouldn't have to go to two to four year school to learn this education. No, because that's crazy expensive. It's fun, but it's crazy expensive. So we're making photography education accessible to the entire world at RGGEDU.com. And this Black Friday, we're we're doing something. We're making an offer so great that we can't even mention it. No, we can't. This microphone, blow your mind. this microphone would explode if I even thought about it. That's heavy. Go to rggedu.com right now, and you can sign up anywhere, and we will alert you about the Black Friday deals this November 23rd, 2018. Should we sing our jingle? Yeah. Do you finally have a jingle? rggedu.com.